Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 12 Gauge Uncut. I promised you Kip the Animal Buford, and right here he is, folks. So me and Kip go back a little ways at this point. So Kip was at the creation point of Rocky Shaw transitioning from a martial artist to a wrestler. So at that point uh, was the creation of, in RWE, as the alpha male Rocky Shaw. And so Kip here, me and him got to train a lot together. Uh, Bob Moss, uh, you know, was sit there. He Bob Moss watched probably most of our matches, 90% of the ones we yeah, actually the lone, had. the lone wolf out there in the, in the fans out there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so Kip is now uh, – the head coach, is that right, is that my right term? I, I mean, I don't really like to go with titles and stuff, but titles being what they are, so it's like my technical title is studio director, but I just tell everybody, I'm like, just call me Kip. I was like, it's the same thing. Like, it's like, you know, so. Um, well, guys, we want to first of all thank Orange Theory Fitness and Kip for welcome us in. We were actually in the studio, so everything you see in the background here is like a gorgeous, I mean, it's obviously orange fitting the name, but the orange and black motif, and you know, we're at Halloween. Well, I mean, what uh, hey, time fits right now? So yeah, I never thought I'd be like uh, very all about the orange, but I am. And I, I really am passionate about this, and um, you know, we can talk more about how I've gotten into this and what it's done for me in the wrestling world. How it's kind of helped me evolve into this as well. Yeah. Well, for those, and I know a lot of you are shocked because you you knew you're watching right now, and you were like, "Oh, Kip is." Orange Theory, and they're like, Kip the Animal Buford, he was a wrestler? Yeah, a lot of people, hey, yeah, they're like, when did that come about? I'm like, oh, man, it was a past life, but it was a good life. It was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, did the RWE thing, I think we did it 2020. I think, like, September 2020, we had our first RWE event, and 400-something-plus people, and it came out. So it was, it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I've had a few people... Since the podcast was kind of getting ready to drop, ask me about that. So it's been fun kind of reliving that. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to shout out, there's there's a lot of people, and I'm going to forget some names here, uh, that, you know, some of them love us, some of them still, some of them probably don't, still hate us. But, um, you know, Sean Hayes, David Holbrook, Caleb Ogles. Oh, man. Uh, Big Cash. Yeah. Uh, TJ. Uh, Man, there's so many names that I'm gonna I'm gonna stumble right here. Cole Ballard. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we had a you know an interesting uh, crew. We had Nick, and you know we all we still hate you, Nick. <laughs> so, um, but other than that, I mean, you know, so it was a good run. I mean, it opened up doors. I mean, it, it yeah. was an outlaw. We didn't have the training that was really required. Uh, some of us saw some training afterwards. Me and you did a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Were we picking Lamar Phillips, mm -hmm. you know, brain to uh, to any other wrestler we got a hold of during that time yeah, frame? Me and you were talking to. Yeah. Anybody that went near and let us kind of help out and stuff. And I, I'll say this, man, about the RWE thing. It was kind of like just David hit me up, and we kind of went back and forth on social media. Um, we did some backyard wrestling many moons ago, many, many moons ago. And then it was just like, he calls me one day and he's like, hey, I've got a ring. And I was like, you got a ring? I was like, what do you mean you got a ring? 
And he was like, you want to wrestle? And I was like, man, I was like, it's been 18 years. I was like, I ain't. He's like, no, I'm talking about like wrestling, like pro wrestling. I was like, I'll be there in a little bit. <laughs> and man, I'm going to tell you right now, for anybody that's starting out in the business, you don't realize like how tight those ropes are until you take your first hit or you take that first bump. Uh, it's not as forgiving as what people think. And there's a lot more hard work that goes into it and a lot more athleticism um, than people give it credit for. I'll oh, say that. Absolutely. Um, I think of all the sports, and I think even – and most of the people, like football players and so forth that I've talked to, when they transition from that sport to wrestling, they will tell you there's nothing like wrestling condition. No, and uh, I'll say this because, like, I've always been in the gym and I've always worked out, and uh, there's a couple of pictures of, like um, – I can't remember, it was like Deep South. I can't remember, it was some, it was some wrestling convention and uh, it was me and Bob, uh, Arn Anderson, or as we know him around here, is Marty Lundy, mm -hmm. and, uh, and his two boys at the time. And uh, this was before Brock Anderson got big. And uh, me and uh, Tyler, Jack, um, and Bob's uh, oldest son, we were working out in there and he was like, hey, you boys can work out. We've got this going on. Arn Anderson's gonna come with his two boys. and." Um, we were back there working out and everything. And I was, I've was i always been a bigger guy, but wrestling really kind of helped me realize like, hey, I need i need to be more cardiovascularly in shape because when you're moving and you're going and the crowd's popping for you and everything, it's easy to get blown up. Um, so that's one thing I really realized was like, oh, I really gotta take my cardiovascular into more importance than lifting just as much. Yeah, absolutely. Because what a lot of people don't realize is too that that muscle mass that you have just soaks up oxygen. Yeah. So the more, like, so, you know, a guy that's 300 pounds of muscle versus a guy who's 170 pounds of muscle, mm -hmm. there's a whole different gas tank required to, to function all that muscle with that oxygen level. Yeah. Uh, at that time, you you were, like, probably, I'd probably say 40 pounds bigger than you are probably right now. Yeah, let's see, I'm probably a buck. Buck 95, depending on how much I eat that day right now. And I think then I was like 220, close to 230. So, I mean, I was, I was a pretty heavy guy. And, I mean, you know, hey, 5'8 five is 5'8. Five that's all you can get. But, um, <laughs> you know, and I tell a lot of the people, like, when they come in here, it's like, hey, I know what you feel, like how you feel when you come in here. You get all ramped up, the lights, the music's playing, all that other stuff. And they look at me and they go, well, how do you know how that feels? I was like, because I do. Because when the music's going, the lights are up and everything, the crowd's going, you do get an adrenaline dump. So I had um, had a guy tell me one time, he's like, look, just relax and have fun. Like, and it was the same way going to the ring. It's the same way coming in here. It's like, look, just relax and have fun. Like, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to go according to plan, just like you want it to, and we'll meet you where you're at. And that that's, that's something that, you know, because um, I've, I've been thinking, like, how, how can I explain to people that – that has helped me transition to where I'm at now and getting people to understand that um, and meeting them where they're at, different things, because you can get blown up pretty quick. Oh, yeah. You can get blown up pretty quick, but it's just about, you know, finding your pace in anything. Absolutely, yeah. So so talking about that big adrenaline dump, my first one when it really happened at KLT with the street fight, they put me in with War Daddy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people... Uh, Tania knows, but a lot of people didn't know that match. So they went out there, and, and honestly, War Daddy and Todd at that time, they were old school, so it was a make-or-break moment for me. Mm -hmm. So that was throwing me to the wolves, and we get went out there, and we were swinging from the fences. Like, War Daddy was pounding me with shots, and mm -hmm. in return, I was feeding them right back. 
you know, we were just, you know, the crowd's like, but my adrenaline was so high. Like, I knew they were good stiff shots, but, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it didn't matter. I was so excited to be yeah. there and uh, out there in the crowd that, you know, we were just feeding that back and forth. And, and it reminds me a lot of when, you know, like when me and you, uh, you talked about uh, one of our posts about the birth of the 12 gauge is when we developed that little spot where Kip had took off her open, I actually threw a roundhouse kick. Yeah, and uh, when I say, to so kind of go into that, so Rocky had been on me like, hey man, like, let's let's get in here, let's get in here. He told me about, um, you got a metal plate, right? And yeah, my left, well, my left ankle. Yeah, so I was like, at the time, I like, you know, you can't ever judge a book by its cover, and I was like, I I had worked with some bigger guys and like working around some of their ailments and stuff, so it's like, you know, I could do a baseball slide between their legs, different things like that, and kind of like, again, it's a give and take, and it's a dance, so I was like, so what can you do? And he kind of expressed me what he could do. I was like, all right, I was like, you can throw a roundhouse kick, and he said, yeah. So we're sitting there, we're rolling around, we're bumping around, and I was like, I'm going to get as close to your foot as humanly possible before you hit me. And man, I'm going to tell you right now, when I said I could smell that man's feet, <laughs> I was, we were pretty close. We were pretty close. I was like, man, I almost lost some teeth on that one. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I'm glad I did, man, because I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, those who have gotten hit with it, I've seen the devastation of it. Or I've come close to seeing the devastation of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and hopefully that list is going to continue, so you guys keep keep in touch. We're going we're gonna to work toward that. Um, so tell me a little bit about So let's go back to, I guess, your – Mainstay, or I guess where everybody started to know Kip around here, is the fireman. Is that about right? I'll be honest with you. I've like my my mom and my dad have always been like um, pretty well known people in in one aspect or another. Um, Can't give you a long and short of it. My mom's done hair in the town in this town for years and years and years. So, you know, have you ever seen Steel Magnolias? Mm -hmm. That little beauty shop with Dolly Parton and them all. Yeah, it was my mom's beauty shop. So like, you go in there, and like, so I like watching that. It sounds weird, you know, like muscular guy saying that, but I enjoy watching Still Magnolias because it reminds me of when I was a little kid, and that was my mom's shop. But like, people would come in there, and my mom would just talk to people and get to know people all the time and stuff like that. Uh, my dad was just always just a very good businessman, and always just enjoyed um, getting to know people, want what you know, how they wanted their house, and he would do everything he could to like be creative about it. So I think people just always knew me that I was like Todd and Sheila's boy. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, um, I always had people tell me, they were like, you know, he's got a showman mentality. And I can remember being in Little League and I'd walk out and I was not good at sports. I just go ahead and tell you, I was not good at sports. I'd go out there and I'd twirl the bat and I'd do different things like that. And, you know, so I guess it was just over time and meeting people and knowing people through my parents. But I think the firefighting thing, um, People got to know me on that because I was very proud about it and I was very happy about it because at 30, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to leave this job for five that I've been with for X amount of years and, hey, I'm going to go be a firefighter. Of course, people were like, well, you're settled into it. Why would you leave now? And I really believe it's because, and, and here's been my thing, is that, like, I've never done anything to where it's, like, that has made sense to other people. So why would you leave a job you've been you're established there? Why not? Why not me? Why not me to go do that? And a lot of people were like, well, you know, you're older now. You won't be able to do it. And I think people, I don't know this, but I know a lot of people were like, 
hey, you doing that and you taking a step and like, because I mean, I share a lot of my stuff on social media and stuff and I, I don't, I'm not prideful, I'm not ego. Um, I was just like, let's do it. And that helped change my mindset. I had a lot of people reach out to me. I think that kind of did, kind of put start putting me through that. So, and the RWE thing, boy, that thing caught fire <laughs> real quick. Um, so, yeah, the fire department, and then when people found out that I was wrestling on the side, um, I know we talked about it before the podcast, uh, when the big chief and all the chiefs find out that you're a wrestler yeah. at the fire department, you can't keep a secret. I promise you that. They'll find a way. So apparently the story goes that all the chiefs were in this room and they had a meeting and they've got this drop-down prompter and they started watching some of the matches and stuff and the promos leading up to our first pay-per-view of RWE Resurrection. And um, they watched that. And then that night we had a, a structure fire, a mobile home fire. And I hear one of the chiefs go, there he is, there's the animal. Go put it out, animal. And I'm over there working the hose. And I've got my mask on. I'm like, who's yelling at me? <laughs> so I think that kind of like both of those kind of collaborated to people knowing me on that end. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and I won't go into details, but I know, I, I got to know you during the park. And it's funny because we talked about your age and too. When I started, and most of the things, though, I started the venture into wrestling at 42 which most people thought was absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. Kip was not one of those people. He, he was like, oh man, you're, you're in good shape. You can do this. You know, what's the matter? So he didn't limit to, he was one of those people we automatically, you know, was attracted to because he had the like thinking of like, there was not a limitation based on age. It was based, based on what you were willing to do and what you were willing to sacrifice to get to. And uh, so to this day, I appreciate that. But but I also got to know a side of him in, I watched the man, you can tell when someone that you become a friend with the bond has a true heart. Kip was, and he is, uh, I would classify as a true hero. So when he would have, uh, and there's one particular instance, and I won't, I won't bring up that instance, that I know that bothered you really bad during that time. Yeah. That you, you went through, and I saw that affect him. And that's how you know someone has a passion because in this instance, there was nothing you could do, mm. but it drove you crazy because you wanted to be to be that Superman at that time yeah, and be able to solve that solution. And, you know, that's, you know, for, for someone to sit there, because I saw so many people that are in positions like that that become hardened mm. and they don't really reflect those human emotions that are still there. They kind of, block them off and that was something that it's just a part of you I don't think you could have done it if you wanted to no and that's the thing and, and I, I've, I've had this conversation with other people is that um, there's a lot of great things that came out of being at the fire department and stuff like that and a lot of things I'm very thankful for and a lot of bonds that I made but the biggest thing was I realized that like oh people don't really share these things that they're going through they're just bottle them up and things like that and I, that's something I share with anybody and staff included is I've always been like that where it's just like I don't know how but it's like I just want to make it better and I want to make it better for the people around me and like here here's the thing is that people who know me and like truly know me and care about me is they know like I'm not egotistical I'm not you know cocky I'm not arrogant I'm not any of these things my, I understand my personality comes off that way but it's like when I'm asking somebody are you okay it's not to just be like to hear oh yeah I'm fine 
So no, no, like when I'm asking you that, I'm asking, are you okay? Because I had a point in my life where nobody asked me that. Nobody asked me if I was okay. Nobody asked me like what I was going through or, or how this bothered me or, or how I'm working through this situation. And I've always thought, man, I was like, I just don't understand why, like where did we go wrong being in, I don't want to say society, but it's just like it's a lost art. People just saying like, hey, are you okay? Like checking in on people. Um, that does mean a lot to me coming from you. Like I, I had no idea. This is what I enjoy about not just these things, but it's just like being open and being like, hey, you were this for me in a time that you didn't know or, you know, different things like that. Um, because it was, it was, it was tough, but it taught me, hey, we need to check in on other people as much as, you know, we do anything else in life because you just don't know what somebody's going through at all at any point. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, that's one thing that I tell people is that like, don't stop believing in yourself. Like you can be anything you want to be and don't forget to show yourself some grace and be, um, be in the moment, be where your feet are and things like that. Because if not, and you live a certain life where it's just like, well, I, you know, my dad did it this way. My mom did it this way. I got to do it this way. Well, then you're going to live a life of regret of going, well, what if I had taken that chance? Or what if I had stepped out? Or what if I had done this? Or what if I had been there for somebody a little bit more? What would that have changed? And because, you know, there's a poem and it's called The Dash. And I know I'm kind of like, I'll bring it all back around. Yeah, you're I promise good. you're good. But there's a poem called The Dash. And it's like, you know, you got a birthday and I'm going to butcher the poem. So I'm not even going to try to like, <laughs> you know, because Google's not right here with me. But it's not about the start date or the end date. It's about what you did in the middle. And so it's just like, if you want to go and you want to work a job and you want to work that job for 30 years and, and just keep your head down and grind through it and all this stuff, hey, I got no problem with it. That is fine. And if you were happy with it, hey, I'm happy with it and I'll love you through it. But, well, you got one shot at it. So why not, you know, for me, go be a firefighter. Go do this wrestling thing that I'd always want to do when I was a kid. <clears throat> if I did it for one match, if I did it for 14 matches, if I did it for a thousand matches, hey, I did it. And plus it gave people something to laugh about, smile about, different things like that. Um, then that took me to my next avenue of where I'm at now and then continuing to pour into people and give them confidence. And like you said, because anybody could say, well, you're 42, why don't you want to jump in the ring? Well, why not? Let's just, let's just see. Let's not, let's not, don't put yourself in a box, I guess is the thing. Yeah. It's like, we're not going to be 18. We can bounce back from anything, but we can, we can sure work with what we got. Correct. You know, so, I mean, I hope that kind of all ties everything. It does, and that's too, and to come around to kind of hit the home, that fact as far as because of Kip and so many of the rest of you fans out there that got behind me, I mean, I did in two years what? A lot of wrestlers never ever see. Mm -hmm. I main evented super the Superstars Fan Fest here in a cage match. Yep. Uh, you know, I walk out to a crowd and you know the pop is unbelievable. No matter when I walk out, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very thankful for that. But also know that that was something. If I wouldn't have took that shot, if I wouldn't have took and had that support system back there to but you know from my wife back here behind the camera mm -hmm. to you guys uh you uh keith osmond a lot of a lot of other people around this community that said yeah you can do this mm -hmm. and you know you're you're in great shape let's give you advice um 
Brian Price at OTR Wellness for you know helping me train in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things made that. And you're in in what's really exciting now. You're living another dream as far as you're coaching. Well, I guess hundreds, thousands of people that come through Orange Theory right now, and you're inspiring not only the people that your clients here, your employees here, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping that morale. So you, so you are bringing all these people to their dreams as well. Yeah, and that's one thing that I, because I, I left the fire department to be here full time, and you know, I, because I always thought, well, let me back up, and I'll, I'll come back to it. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about hey, chase your dream, believe in your dream, believe in yourself, keep going, is because and I talked about this um, on another podcast, and I've been a lot more open about it. Is because there was a time in my life where it's like, so I'll give you a little insight on me. I couldn't read or write until I was a senior in high school. And I was telling somebody about this the other day, and they were like, "What's the hardest thing you ever had to do?" And I was like, "If we were sitting in class, whoever was sitting behind me, if I knew we had to read something, I would turn around to him and I'd be like, "Hey, look, I'll give you twenty dollars if you read." whatever page we're supposed to read and you say it loud enough to where I can hear it and it makes it seem like I'm reading it. And I had a buddy of mine and he would do that for me. And he got to a point where like we did it over and over again to where he would say it with just enough cadence where I could hear what he was saying so that I didn't look dumb or stupid or whatever because, I mean, let's be honest, like, you know, kids get picked on and stuff like that all the time and different things like that. So I did that all the time. And, you know, it was just like, finally I had a teacher who found out about it. And he was like, hey, you you know you don't have to do that. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know how to. And I was like, I've done it for so long. And, you know, it's kind of like fake it till you make it and all this stuff. And um, he was like, you can do it. He's like, you just got to figure out how you learn, you know, the best. And so I was like, all right. So he said, just read a chapter or a page of a book. You know, just read it, read it, read it till you get it and try to sound it out. So I did that and I did it and I did it and I did it. And now it's like, and I, and I talked on this in another podcast, uh, I'll read something five times. Because if I can read it five times and get it, then I've gotten more detail out of that than you reading it one time real quick and moving on to the next page. Mm-hmm. And it sounds crazy because it's like you, people will see you now and they'll go, wow, man, like, you know, you've always done great. Not, like, nah, man, like. You know what it was like before we got to this point. You know, like um, another example is like you know people because of your circumstance not believing in you and just being like, ah man, he's just gonna be a castaway, blah blah blah. You know, your mom gets locked up for meth and it's word spreads and, and which my mother's sober now, you know. Um, but you know when you're that age, people are saying meth jokes to your phone and saying like you'll never beat anything because of, you know. And then it was people always coming behind that and saying, like, it doesn't always have to be this way. So I've always lived with that, and I've always thought, if I could ever pour that back into other people and show them that, like, hey, you, you can do this. Don't don't let anybody put you in a box because I almost let somebody else dictate my life. Yeah. Uh, because in school, they had this lady come in because I couldn't, like, read or figure out these problems as quick as they wanted me to. They're like, well, you'll be, and nothing wrong with it, a vet tech, a mechanic, or this or that, or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's wrong, like, because people always tell you, like, you can be anything you want to. And for somebody, especially an adult, when you're a kid, to tell you that, 
I'm like, that's wrong, man. Like, figure out what I'm good at. I'll work on my weaknesses, but let's figure out what my strong suits are. So it's the same way in here. We get people that come in and they go, well, I've never worked out or I don't know how to work out. I don't know how to do this. Like, that's fine. We will learn together. We will do it together. And same way with my staff. Like, I'm very blessed to have, like, the staff that I have now because, man, you do have to be on a lot of times, whether it be coaching a class or being out there in the lobby and different things like that. You always got to be on. But you always got to have people around you that go, hey, it's okay. We, we can take it from here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's something I'm always like real thankful of because they keep me in check just as much as I keep them in check. And the members see that and it brings us all tight and, and closer together because the members that we do have here, they go, um, I never thought I could do this. I didn't think I could do this or I could ever get back to this. I'm like, man, a little bit of love and a little bit of belief takes somebody a long way. You can take over the world, I promise you. Um, but yeah, that, that, and that's what's led me to this, and I, and I kind of see, and I don't know if you can talk about religion on here or not, but... Talk about whatever you're uncut. Uncut. All right, so um, God makes a way, man. I mean, he does. He really makes a way. So it's just like from being a firefighter, learning those things, and, and learning how to control your emotions, because here's the other thing. If you don't control your emotions um, in certain situations, you'll react to them like a kid. So that helped me with that. Uh, overcoming obstacles and overcoming things and, and pushing through that adversity as a kid and being like, I'll never let anybody, if, I, if I've if i ever made somebody feel that way, I, I, I'd regret it and all that other stuff. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can and let people not feel that way. Um, to, you know, the wrestling thing and being in front of a big crowd, playing off people's emotions and all those other things. Again, controlling your emotions and all that other stuff. And then to this now where it's like, hey man, like, it all, it all comes together. Because when I was 30, I thought, well, this is just my life and this is what I'll do from now on. And that seems so long. Like you said, you did more in two years when you put your head down and you keep going. Just like me, in four years, I said, I want to be a firefighter and a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know how, but I'm going to make it happen. And I feel like through that, I've done more in four years than I did, you know, my young adulthood of trying to figure out what I wanted to be. And because you just say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm probably going to lose money. I'm probably going to do this. I'm probably going to do that. But there'll be a way and we'll push through it. And here's the other thing. There'll always be somebody there besides you be like, hey, keep going, push through that wall. Because on the other side, it's like I tell them in here, guys, because like, an all out is like where you're running real hard and or, or power walking at a, you know, a steady incline. And I tell them, guys are walking recovery on the other side. It's the same way in life. Life's going to feel very uncomfortable for a little bit like an all out. But on the other side, there's a walking recovery. It gets a little bit better. So that's life and times of Kip Buford. Yeah, well. You know, but, I mean, that's kind of put, puts that, paints that picture for you. It did. And you told me a lot of things that it's funny because, you know, you know with a struggle, all of us that have saw success have went through a big struggle. And Kip talks about that being in school from the, you know, not being able to read. Dude, I was in school and I was labeled the same way as far as I had the principal tell me because my, my father was in prison and he has, Rocky Sr. had a notorious name around here. Mm-hmm. And I had the principal tell me, you know, every time something happens, he said, I'm going to watch you because I know exactly where you'll wind up. Just like your daddy, you'll be in prison. 
And every time something went wrong at school, if something fell, you know, there was trouble, I was the one that took the blame because, you know, that was that was my role. And so I became I was an angry I became an angry kid during that time because it was always gonna be my fault anyway. Yeah. So um, had a chip on my shoulder, um, but in the same way, it forced me to be that person. But like I'm gonna show him, mm-hmm. I'm gonna graduate, and he's gonna have to shake my hand and hand me that diploma. And I walked up that thing and I smirked and stuck my hand out and. You know, took my time to make it, you know, held this, just stare him in the eye, you know, shaking my hand to let him know that I passed, I passed through that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but again, you know, we all come from that, um, you know, since I, and once I was doing it, I was kind of, I was putting a special ed, mm-hmm. you know, early on in my thing, not because I wasn't smart, it's because I had, uh, ADHD or whatever they call it. And I didn't learn like everybody else. And I, I got bored quick. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, while everybody else was, you know, I could do it, but I, and I didn't take notes. I'm an audible person. Mm-hmm. If you gave me a class where I'm in the new, you require me to take notes, I was going to fail it because I can't write and listen at the same time. It just doesn't, I don't absorb the information that way. Mm-hmm. And I can sit back and listen to you the entire time and ace the test. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but during that time in the school, I had so many teachers that required me to give them notes, mm-hmm. you know, for everything. So, uh, but but that's interesting to know exactly how you're learning. So, you know, I was, was told by, uh, I don't know if you, Todd Sexton gave a wrestling seminar here last weekend. Mm-hmm. And Todd had, had a good point. He said, every wrestler that I've met is broken in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And he said, and it's, because we all go through that life struggle somewhere that other people have. Mm-hmm. But when we excel, just like you have, is you take those disadvantages in life and turn them to an advantage. Mm-hmm. So we know how to fight harder than everybody else for something, for the smallest little thing. Well, and that's the thing, man. It's just like you don't you don't really know what somebody's going through. And I, I, so I see it more and more as I get older. What happens is, is that um, – Men, men don't talk about their problems because men are broken. It's, it's suck it up, you know, you blah, blah, all that. Well, here's what happens. If you don't know how to control your emotions and you're not talking about them and you're not, then you are going to feel broken. We're all broken. You know, there's nobody that goes through life unscathed or, or unscarred or anything like that. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot of my, my friends, like, doing things where they're like, not listening to their wives, or not communicating, and, and I'm, I'm not just saying like for men, but I mean I know it's for women too, and a lot of people, they just shut down, they don't communicate, well here's what happens, you keep closed off, and you keep that stuff building up, well then, nobody knows how to help you, Yeah. because communication is key, and it's a lot like a wrestling match, if I'm hitting the ropes, and I don't know what you're fixing to throw, hey, I'm probably going to lose some teeth, you know, and life is a lot like a wrestling match, you know, you're going to hit the ropes, you're going to hit the mat, and you're going to bounce, and you're going to get back up. But it's just how you communicate and how you work through the match. And in life, it's going to show you through the other side. For example, um, you know, you can't, I mean, it's just communication has to be there. It can't be an open-door, closed policy. And if you don't know how to do it, just like me with, like, trying to figure out how to read, just get started. Just start talking. Like, figure something out. Because, you know, it's just like 
men have the highest suicide rate, different things like that. And it's just like you have to communicate what you're going through um, because if not, it'll consume you. And then, hey, guess what? What you and I are doing right now, mm-hmm. you know, if we didn't communicate and we didn't share those things and we weren't um, apt to pushing through adversities and getting through the other side, you know, we might not be here, but we are. You just can't give up, you know. Um, and that goes back to, like, you know, you sharing that about, you know, somebody putting you in a box, saying, like, oh, you'll, you'll be in the same place, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's a mental switch that has to be flipped inside of you to say, that's the last time somebody's going to say that to me. Yeah. That's the last time somebody's going to put their finger in my face and say, hey, because of you, you're going to be here because I know who your parents are, or whatever the case is. And to them, I have to say this, it's because of you, or people like you, not you, but you know yeah. what I'm saying, <clears throat> um, you mold champions. You mold people who overcome adversities and push through different things. And because of people like that, in my life and yours and so many others, you get an opportunity to now, and, I, and I'll say this on camera, I'll say this to anybody, and this is where I will be cocky and arrogant about some things. Because of those things that's happened to me, I don't think that there is somebody more knowledgeable about certain things than I am, especially when it comes to, I'm sure there is. I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm the greatest in the world, but I will say because I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to go get it, and I found something that I'm really driven about and helping people get there, I don't think there's anybody that better than that because I had somebody tell me, well, you'll just be this. Well, now it's driven me to where it's like, no, I'm going to be at the best at whatever I'm doing. Even if I was a janitor, I was like, I'm going to mop the floors the best. I'm going to do this the best. I'm going to find what I'm passionate about, and God's going to make a way. It's the same with you, man. Yeah. You know I mean? I know you were working a job, and then you got into the wrestling thing, and because it's like it's something we've always watched or something like that. Um, and you just said, hey, I, I know this sounds crazy. When I explained to my dad I was doing it, I said, hey, I'm going to do this wrestling match, and there might be 30 people there, or there might be 100 people there for my first wrestling match. I was like, I'm going to do this thing. He was like, that's crazy. I was like, I know, right? That's awesome, isn't it? um, But it was just one of those things, and like, I got to have a match with my brother at ringside, and we did in a cage, and there's a picture of me standing on the top rope, and um, I've got my arms up, my brother, he's pointing at me, kind of doing the Scott Hall Mm-hmm. thing like that and um, you know we got to share that together and my dad was really happy about that because you know I remember us being little kids and being 12 years old watching Goldberg take Hulk Hogan up and take him down on Monday Night Nitro now mm-hmm. we can go into the holes they should put down a paper for you but hey, <laughs> right. that's another thing for another day but I remember sharing that moment with my dad and my brother and like whenever I look back to when I was a kid 1998 was a great year to be a kid for me and then I got to have a match. My brother is the manager. And, man, he was – I think he's better than Paul Heyman. I put it out there Yeah. as a heel uh, manager. And, um, you know, you get to share things like that in life because somebody's like, that's crazy. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to do it. And it'll be fun. And um, I think you just got to say, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but just believe in me. And I promise you there'll be some good come out of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Sorry, well, man, I know I ramble sometimes. No, that's great. That's that's the heart of what makes a good podcast is just when things flow naturally and you mm-hmm. just laugh. Because there's a lot of things here that I wouldn't have thought to ask you that you've actually told us. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's a lot of things. There's people on the other end of this, and I know because I've gotten feedback that are going to hear these things that they're going through right now, that Mm -hmm. we're going through, or they they went through, and they're going to find some inspiration in that because they were like, "Ah, that sounds just like my problems. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we all attract similar people to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that's going to be great. So tell me, uh, as of right now, Mm-hmm. Kip's future, as far as tell us a little bit about artistry, kind of give us what you want to tell these people about, you know, coming in and seeing you and things like that. Um, so the biggest thing I'll tell you is this, is that um, I guess the best way I can do it, uh, hang on, I can do it, I can do it, hang on, I can do it. Um, man, look, there, there's nothing like what we do. And... I know we're not your mom and pop and all that other stuff. Man, let me tell you something. More life's not something we just put on a wall. More life is something we're about. And here's the thing, man. You got one life from the time you're born. There's an expiration date somewhere. You got it. I got it. We all got it. Um, are we the cheapest? No. Are we the best? Absolutely. And, and like I said, man, I'll put that down by anything because here's the thing. Is we are... Heart rate monitor based training, one hour full body workout. Um, it is group fitness with a personal trainer touch. We've got treadmills, rowers, weight floor, BOSU balls. We've even got dumbbells to go all that, babies. I promise you, check that out. But, um, it's the most fun that you'll have in an hour because here's what you're going to get you're going to get like minded people who've been in your situation and thought and looked at themselves in the mirror and be like, I can't believe I let myself get to this. And that's fine, we'll get back. Because with the heart rate monitor training is that it helps us monitor you just as well as you monitor yourself. Because again, going back like when we were in the wrestling ring, I got blown up because I thought, well, I'm working, I'm, I'm going hard, but what am I really getting out of that? Yeah. If I can't settle myself down, stay in a steady heart rate zone, I'm not going to be able to burn fat and build muscle like I want to. If I'm just, there's other places out here that are just like, all right, and go. And I've had people tell me, they're like, nobody takes their time like you guys do. There's nobody that does this. There's nobody that shows me. There's nobody that believes in me. There's nobody. It's just take my money and go. And like, man, you can pay for it now. You can pay for it later. And you can get some real results out of it. So we are backed by science, driven by results. Um, so the biggest thing I can tell you is whether it's with us or something, man, just get started. You know, and here's the other thing. My crew that I've got, we're all goofballs. Um... We're all like, you know, little dorks and things like that, but we all come from a place of, you know, somebody didn't believe in us and everybody on my staff, they all know that. And then we pour into other people. Um, I will say, I feel like I've got the best staff out there um, and I'll put it out there like that. I do feel like you are somebody when you come in here. I was on a Zoom call one day and they said, well, nobody's gonna remember 500 people's names when they come to the studio. I said, we will, like we will do that. Because at the end of the day, we always make you feel like somebody and someone, and you'll never be just another number to us. The loudest person in class is just as important as the quietest person in class. So that's what you get when you come to OTF Rome. And uh, like I said, man, I'll die on that hill. There's not a lot of things I'll die on, but I'll die on that hill. Yeah. And I can attest to, as far as, um, and I I know he won't mind me mentioning him, so Artegas Newell. Yeah, man. Art came to me and Tania probably a year ago or maybe somewhere. Is that about right? Two years. Two years ago. And he had some health issues. He had 
you know, done like all of us, he got to a point where I got to do something. And so we started, you know, in, in my side is always going to start with the most obvious. Let's talk about what you're eating in the diet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started there and Art was stubborn. <laughs> Art didn't want to give up fast food and things like that. How many of us do, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, so, we, so we worked on that and went back and forth. And I got him in the gym. Uh, and he was doing good. I mean, it's, but Art needed a little bit more direction and needed a, and, and weights weren't really the perfect thing for him. And I think that, and so when he moved at this at a certain point, he come to me and said, hey, I want to, I would try our theory fitness. And I was like, do that. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel like that's going to work, I don't care what you do, as long as you do something. Mm-hmm. And if that works better for you, then please do so. And man, I saw a transformation in him. Uh, he sends me pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent me one just a couple weeks ago. And he is living it up in Atlanta. He is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something, man. Um, this goes to another thing I, I'll say about Artegas is um, he came in one day and I was walking out and uh, somebody else was coaching the class. And like, I just kind of met him briefly and I was just like, smell like them socks. Because I'm kind of a sock nerd. a sock man. And, um, and so we kind of bonded on that and everything. And, you know, um, he took a couple of my classes and he ended up joining. And he always had the best retro 90s shirts. Yes. Every time he came yeah. in. So I'd always, like, talk to him about that and stuff like that. And then it was one day after class, he was like, you know, I, I just feel like I don't have a place. I don't feel like, you know, I belong anywhere and blah, blah, blah. And we stayed probably 45 minutes after close. I sent the girl home that was working the front desk because I knew she was ready. And I was just like, man, I got to be in this moment with him. And um, and he shared some things with me that I was very appreciative of. And, and you know, and, and I could tell if he had shared those things with anybody else, they would have judged him on the spot. And uh, he just kept coming and he kept coming. And I know he worked with a, another shout out, Corey Pitts. And he worked with Corey and he worked with us and, and he, he lost. And, and again, it just goes back to, one, just get started. Two, make sure you get the right people around you, believe me. And... Um, and he, man, he's lost, I think he's lost 50 pounds. He yeah. came by and he was, he was like, hey, I'm, I might have to cancel my membership. I'm moving to Atlanta. I was like, that's cool, man. I was like, I just want you to be happy. Yeah. I was like, we all, you know, always stop back in, you know, all that stuff. Man, he gave us big hugs, man. We were up front. We were cutting up with him. And um, he just really appreciated that. And then that goes from somebody that didn't have a place to when he got ready to leave and move to Atlanta, you could tell he was like, hey, I'm whole, man. Like, I'm. Yeah, you know, and that was that was a beautiful thing to watch is watching that grow and, and different things like that, and watching people grow their confidence. Man, I'm telling you, I I'm kind of like Deion Sanders. They ain't got to pay me to do it, but boy, I'm glad they do. <laughs> right. But at the same time, there's no amount of money that anybody can give you to watch somebody grow their confidence back. Because man, we're not in the losing the confidence business; we're in the gaining the confidence business. And I got to watch him grow his, and I've watched so many others. Um, so Artegas, if you watch this. One, tag me in it. Two, um, proud of you, man. Yeah, absolutely. We are all proud of you. So keep it up. And I will tell each one of you, I want to thank Kip for this time. And I want to tell you right now, and look at both of us, I, no matter where you are, now's the time to start. Call Kip. Come see him. I mean, don't just tell him, say, I saw, I saw your podcast. It inspired me to come in here and get started. I want you to come in to Orange Theory Fitness. And if you're watching somewhere else, there's other Orange Theories. Mm-hmm. 
So go out and get started. If they don't have an orange theory, there's somewhere for you to get started. Uh, if nothing else, look at your diet, cut out the sodas. But you can you can make some kind of change today that'll help you. Um, do like we said, you know, talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Kip, I you know, I've reached out to Kip some other times if I'm just having a bad day. You know, if you got to blow off some steam, talk to talk to a friend, find someone who won't judge you, mm-hmm. and can listen to what you got to say. But for Orange Theory Fitness, for Rocky Shaw and Kip for Kip, thank you so much for your time. And until next time, beware the 12-gauge.